Welcome to Cultivating Conversation, brought to you by Chaseman Global. In this series, we're bringing you conversations of experts from across life sciences. We chat with our guests about the challenges of today's market, discovering their opinions, solutions, and ideas for the future of the industry. I'm Steve Collins, and for our first episode, we're delighted to be joined by Marcus Dunning from Nile Technology. We're going to discuss Marcus, Nayo, their journey so far, as well as the conversation between legacy versus livelihood in agriculture technology. So, Marcus, thanks for joining me today. I, of course, placed you at Nile Technology, so I know your story really well. I know the journey that you've been on prior to Nio and, and up until this point with Nio. But just for our listeners, if you could give us some insight into your career so far and the journey you've been on, that would be that would be great. Uh, absolutely, Steve. Um, so, you know, I started my career as a as a engineer, an irrigation engineer and designer, um, primarily for, for vineyards uh, here in California. Um, worked for a, a good portion of my career in the irrigation field, always in, you know, working with production agriculture, vineyards and and, and row crop farmers, um, especially, especially ag. Uh, then was, um, you know, had the opportunity then to progress my career a little bit, moved into, worked for a couple of years in the, in the packaging space for a company that developed uh, RPCs and things like that. Uh, work, you know, got to, got to, to really understand a little bit more of the, the ag community outside of just California. Um, then had a really good opportunity to work for a company called Plant Tape, which makes a automated, uh, automated transplanter. Kind of got me into more of the ag tech space, really kind of, you know, stoked that fire for what's going on in, you know, in that space. And now, you know, have this great opportunity to work with NIO and, and build this business here in, in North America for them. Fantastic. And what would you say is the, the most exciting thing of your, your move to the ag tech space? It, probably the pace. I love, I love the, the pace and, and then also just, you know, knowing that we can help, help farmers advance what they're doing. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to figure out how to work, you know, how to, how to continue to stretch the dollar they have to, 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 to continue farming, to, to grow their operations um, and things like ours help, you know, alleviate a little bit of the labor issue. You know, a lot of ag tech is, is helping, you know, better utilize the implements they, they have, um, whether it's, you know, this type of operation or, you know, looking at, you know, their fertilizer applications, looking at um, aerial imagery to, to look at yields and things like that. There's just a lot of exciting stuff going on in the ag space that that it's it's fun to watch um, how it can help what's happening in the farming industry right now. Absolutely. And I think of the, the companies that you mentioned, I think NIO are a company that, that draw lots of interest across the space. It's a company that we get asked about a lot. Um, and I think it's largely because of the, the technology aspect and the potential impact they can they can have on farmers. For anyone who doesn't know, can you give us a little insight into NIO and, and them as a business and the technology that you're you're out there pushing? Yeah, so so NIO, um, you know, the, the the company itself is based in in Toulouse, France. Um, they and we we build autonomous weeding robots right now. So there's three different platforms we have. We have our our Oz robot, which is primarily for smaller operations, about one to 20 acres. Um, 
they just actually relaunched that product with RTK GPS guidance. So it's uh, we're getting a lot of great traction. I think it'll also be a great product for some of the indoor growers here in the U.S. as well as some of the the hemp and cannabis growers. I think there's going to be a big a big market space for that robot here in the U.S. But they've had a lot a lot of success with it in Europe. Um, we also what I'm working with here in the U.S. right now is our Dino robot, which is for uh, larger production specialty crop uh, weeding. Um, we have currently have three robots here in the U.S. Uh, we have quite a few more over in over in in Europe, and then we also have our TED robot, which is designed for the the vineyard market. So for you know for wine grapes. Um, Nio, you currently the platform is built to to do weeding, but the idea is to take that platform eventually and, and add other things to it, whether that's, you know, a sprayer or a seeder or things like that. It's, it's developing a, a you know, a, an autonomous vehicle that can be used in place of all the extra labor and the tractors and all those things in the field. So the idea is to improve sustainability within a, within a grower's, you know, uh, operation. And you know, Niall's very, very dedicated to to getting this platform perfect for for what the farmer needs. And how are the farmer responding at the moment? How are your your customers growing? And 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 what are they? Um, what's the initial feedback in the marketplace? So it, you know, in Europe, we have uh, about a hundred and I think it's a hundred and fifty robots of all you know the few different platforms. Um, in you know work working there in Europe right now, um, and the and the response has been great here in the U.S. We're working with a few early adopters. That's usually kind of the the first step is to work with the you know the the guys who who look at ag tech or look at ways to to improve their operations, things like that. And so far, the feedback's been really good. The growers are really happy with what we're doing. They're also willing to let us you know mess up a little bit. We're still developing the product in in ways so. Um, we need a little bit of leeway to, you know, to have some issues here and there. And the growers we're working with understand that. And uh, the partnerships we have here have been have been very successful so far. We're seeing some really good results in in the weeding process and, you know, impossible labor reductions and and cost reductions and things like that by using our platform. So so far, it's been it's been a very good success here. Fantastic. And what would you say more generally uh, away from NIO and your, your experience there, what would you say is the, the impact that the tech revolution is having on agriculture in general at the moment? You know, I think uh, here in the U.S., ag tech starting, we're, we're really starting to see some, some fast growth. Um, you know, a lot of the technology, as you're probably aware has been developed in Europe, and that's primarily because Europe went through the the labor issues that the U.S. is currently, you know, going through now. They went through them 15, 20 years ago, and have had to develop a lot of this technology. So the adoption right there has been a little faster. Where here, um, you know, you've, you've seen things like, you know, like in the 60s, the the automated tomato harvester uh, developed by the, you know, California uh, UC Extension and things like that, but Overall, there haven't been, you know, leaps and bounds up until the last few years in what goes on here in ag tech in the U.S. So we're finally starting to see some some true uh, investment in ag tech in the U.S. Um, 
as well as the rest of the world. I mean, I was just reading there was a you know a billion dollar investment in in a company in India, but you know there's a lot of stuff that we're start, finally starting to see here in the U.S. And a lot of it has been in the robotics side. I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of growth in the soft robotics here over the next few years um, for for fruit picking and things like that. There's a big need on the labor issue in that. Um, you're going to see a lot of stuff in the um, shelf life extension. You know, there's a few really good companies right now in that space, but I think there's there's room for some more of just kind of being able to things like, you know, fresh fruit, avocados, things like that, extend that shelf life a little bit, you know, and, and help, you know, alleviate some of the cost in, in, in that issue. Um, and then a, a big piece that I think needs to come, and I think it, you know, it's, is born out of some of the, the, foodborne illness issues we've seen and things like that is just the logistics and tracking uh, capabilities. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, a handful of companies working in that space right now that are, that I think can do some really good things as far as truly being able to track from, you know, farm to fork um, to use that cliche at this point, but uh, really, you know, being able to know that this, you know, head of lettuce came from this field at this time, and being able to track that all the way to the end user um, is is where another big space, uh, a big piece of the ag tech industry is going to going to uh, grow. So I think it's really exciting because I think we're going to see some exponential growth over the next three to five years. Um, I mean, probably you know a hundred times what we've seen over the last twenty, we're going to see develop very quickly over the next three to five years just due to technology you know, availability and all these kinds of things. So it's, it's exciting to be on this on this side of things right now. Of course, and I think lots of it is, is born out of necessity, but equally there's lots of stuff now because of the technology that's available to us that can really drive forward that growth. How important yep. it is for, for growers of all sizes to embrace the change? In- I, I tell people a lot of times, if if you're not willing to embrace the change right now, you're not going to be here five years from now. Um, you know, the days of being able to just kind of do it like your grandfather did or like your dad did are, are, are quickly, quickly disappearing. Um, you need to be able to adapt to to the changes that are coming, you know farmland is we're not we're not creating more farmland it's it's disappearing daily whether it's from you know you know urban sprawl whether it's just from you know climate issues all these types of things we need to be able to better utilize the space we have um as well as we can so growers these days you know it's and a lot of this ag tech adoption a lot of things that are going on take a a, you know a two to two to five year span of really learning how they work, learning how to truly implement them into your operations, where, you know, what works, what, what doesn't work. So if you're not already trying and looking at some of these things, you're going to be that far behind everybody that, you know, started now five years from now. Um, so it's, it's absolutely vital that growers of all sizes, whether you're growing five acres or whether you're growing, you know, 5,000 acres, 50,000 acres, um, you're going to have to look at this type of stuff. Okay, fantastic. Now, we touched on budgets within farms and, and growers with smaller budgets. And I think in a lot of cases, that that's more common than people perhaps think of farmers working to these tight budgets. How do you think we can address 
the link between sustainability and profit across agriculture? It's always a tough one, right? I think you're, you know, I, I, there's a, there's a big push from the consumer side for, you know, sustainable agriculture and things like that, that, you know, then the, from the consumer goes to the, you know, to the supermarkets and all these places that then push it to the grower. The, the biggest problem is a lot of that cost never gets passed through, right? It all gets laid kind of on the grower to figure these things out, but they, a lot of times can't then up their price to the, to the processors or to the, to the, you know, to the grocery outlets and things like that. And then it doesn't get passed on along to the, to the end user. Of course, there's things like whole foods and things like that, but even there, uh, a lot of that cost is, is inherent in the, in the operation itself, not with the farming operation. Um, so it, it's a tough one. So I think the, the, a lot of farmers have to look at kind of where they can implement a few things here and there to to improve their operations. You know, not everyone's going to be able to adopt everything. Um, so say you have a guy who's growing, you know, five, 10 acres to sell at his local farmer's market. He's probably not going to adopt a ton of ag tech. Um, it just doesn't make sense for him. He can, you know, it's usually a one to two person operation might, you know, be able to use something like our Oz robot, which can can really help just in, getting things done more efficiently, you know, and then you're, but as far as all of the other aspects out there, it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to put things in. Now you look at an operation that's, you know, 50,000 acres or, you know, even 10,000 acres, those growers can look at a lot of things because incremental changes can, can, can begin to save a lot of money. If you look at, you know, small improvements, say in irrigation automation, um, that can help with with labor costs. It can help with water usage and water, you know, electrical costs or you know, or, or pumping costs. All those things. Um, you, you look at using aerial imagery, things like that, that can you know improve uh, yield counts and harvest counts and all those kinds of things. So, with larger operations, you know, small little changes here and there can have a, a pretty big impact on the business. So I think. Really, you're going to see a lot more growth on that side, of the, on the sustainability side. Um, but that's, you know, at least that's kind of what I see so far. I agree. I think the, the, there's lots of challenges, isn't there, in, in agriculture at the moment, but it's a really exciting space as well. Again, something we, we probably touched on a little earlier, but it'd be good to, to have a deep dive with you on, on your opinions, is climate change. Obviously, it's at the forefront of almost everything within agriculture and without without outside of agriculture at the moment and lots of people are thinking about how we can improve things and, and make things more sustainable but how do we put the legacy of, uh, of farming and sustainability higher on the agenda do you think that's a tough one you know a lot of again you know to touch kind of on the disconnect between the consumer and what actually happens in the field there's a lot of misinformation in my in my opinion of you know people are told that the farming operations are not sustainable that they that they're you know destroying the 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 you know the environment and climate and these things well it's just not my experience at least in the last you know my 20 years so far now there is a lot of residual issue from from things that were done you know 20 30 years ago um a lot of that's been changed i think you know, farmers, farmers understand as a whole that they need to 
as I said earlier, keep what they have. You know, they're not able to get a lot more farm ground and things like that. So most farmers are, are, are working to be as sustainable as possible. Now, I think there's there's going to be some changes you're going to see as far, you know, in uh, fertilizer use and, and and pesticide use and a lot of those things. I think there, there needs to be some changes in that. It's tough. There needs to be some innovation coming on that side as well. Um, but the climate change is, you know, definitely, you know, it's however you think about it, I definitely can feel it, you know, the seasons have changed a little bit here in the area I'm used to dealing with and growers are having to adopt and or adapt, I mean, sorry, and, uh, and, and work with the ever-changing climate and things like that. So it's, it's going to be interesting to watch how as, as, as things continue to change, as there's a push for more sustainable practices and things like that, how it's going to truly affect the, the ag industry. Um, but I think farmers as a whole, as I said, are, are, are already making that push to change things in their operations to help them, you know, they, at least the ones that, that want to be here, you know, 20 years from now are, are really making an effort to to change things and look at different ways of doing things. You're seeing some push in, you know, in the indoor agriculture space and things like that for, for leafy greens and herbs and things like that, and tomatoes. Um, but, you know, there's still going to be a lot of stuff growing on the ground. So we got to find a way to keep it around. No, absolutely. I mean, from from our perspective as well, I know we work with lots of companies that are doing different bits within the space. We work with companies who are focused on soil rejuvenation. We work with the likes of, of NIO and obviously the, the robotics and the impact that they can have. We work with businesses in the, the semi-chemical space. So we are seeing companies push for that positive change. And I think can only be a can only be a good thing. I guess. Absolutely. Like I said, these you know, growers don't want to destroy the land that's not you know, they're they're they want their land to, to continue to be around so um people need to understand that and know that there's a push to for these new technologies to to change the way things are done so i think it'll be exciting as i said over the next five years we're going to see a lot of growth in all different aspects of the of the ag industry absolutely and i guess that brings me nicely on to on to my next question then obviously you will have a little biased in this i expect <laughs> Um, given your given your time in autonomous robotics, but what do you predict will be the next technology to shake up, and I mean really shake up agriculture? It's tough. I think there's already work being done, but as I said earlier, um, soft robotics is probably the next big thing that needs to. You know, there's been a lot of great advancement in that side. It's just it, the, they can't do it at speed yet of, to harvest. You know, doing things like picking strawberries picking citrus uh stone fruit all these kinds of things that's a huge labor suck for 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 growers you know they just they, a lot for a short window they need a ton of people to come in and, and pick those crops and i think we're gonna see some big shakeups. there's a few companies that are you know have developed some things but it's we're starting to see some advancement in that industry you know in the soft robotics world and I think you're going to see some some big growth that's really going to shake things up um, quickly over the next few years. Um, again, shelf life is a big one. Extending naturally, extending shelf life, not with chemicals, not with that kind of stuff, but some of these natural products that can, you know, if you can add, you know, say, you know, a week onto the shelf life of a product that that drastically reduces the price it needs, you know, it can be sold at in the store because they don't need to, you know, 
they, they, the turnover is not as high and things like that. Uh, so I think you can see that. And then the biggest thing is going to be in, like I said, in the logistics side, you're going to see, take the autonomous side again, but take, you're going to see autonomous trucking. You're going to see um, a lot of tracking capabilities within from field, you know, and in the processing facilities and into the supermarkets and things like that. Those are where I see the big shakeups coming, um, you know, for, for what we're doing, I think, you know, the autonomous side, there's some really good companies, you know, looking at all different aspects of it. Um, but I think, you know, we're kind of, we're already there. So I don't, we're already starting to shake up the industry. So I don't see a big, you know, a big change on what we're doing. I think you're going to see some vehicles that are going to, that are going to come out that are, that are, that are going to change the industry, but the technology is already currently being worked on. So those are kind of the aspects I see right now. Um, and then, you know, some other things, maybe some automated harvesters and things like that, that people just for for leafy greens and things like that to alleviate labor. Labor is the big push. We all know that labor is a, is a finite resource right now. We've kind of, you know, there's only so many people and a lot of them don't want to continue to do the hard work in the field. Um, it's tough work. I wouldn't want to do it. So uh, all the automation side, you know, from from planting to the implements to the harvest or where you're going to see some big some big improvements as well fantastic well that's all we've got time for today marcus so thank you very much for your, your time it's been a, a pleasure to reconnect and, and discuss your opinions and journey again thank you everyone for listening if you could if you could all rate review and, and subscribe and we'll see you all next time thanks steve